Comic Book Club News gives you the comic book news you need to know first thing in the morning every weekday in the form of digestible three to five minute long podcasts. Comic Book Club News recaps breaking news stories from Marvel, DC Comics, and beyond Monday through Friday. New episodes drop 6 a.m. ET in the Comic Book Club News feed so they're ready for you when you're ready for the day. Comic Book Club News. You hear it second or third, possibly fourth. If you're a woman over 40 dealing with hot flashes, insomnia, brain fog, moodiness, or weight gain, you don't have to accept it as just another part of aging. The experts at Midi Health know all these symptoms can be connected to the hormonal changes of menopause. And MIDI can help with safe, effective, FDA-approved solutions covered by insurance. 91% of MIDI patients get relief from symptoms within just two months. Book your virtual visit today at joinmidi.com. about the CW's Riverdale that is taped after dark. I'm Alex. When the darkness falls, the only way to light the path forward is by fire. And if you're, like, not running, you're, like, but, like, it's a casual gait, it's like a walk. So let's have fire walk with me. I'm Justin. I'm Pete. And you are listening to Riverdale After Dark, a Riverdale podcast. As Justin teased, we're going to be talking about Chapter 49, Fire Walk With Me, the latest episode of the show. Now, if you have been paying attention to what's going on in the world uh, or listened to our previous episode, of course, uh, you know the incredibly awful, incredibly sad news that Luke Perry passed away rather suddenly and shockingly this week, which... Uh, led to uh, a, a kind of a cascading of events. First of all, they scrambled a little bit to figure out what they were going to do about the show. They ultimately ended up airing it. They uh, added an in-memoriam card at the end. But it was definitely a very different experience watching the show this week. So before we get into the bulk of it, before we talk about the episode, I wanted to get a sense from you guys, what was it like watching the show? For I mean, you. It was legitimately upsetting when he when uh, Luke Perry first came on screen. Oh, man, uh, yeah. Especially it was so late in the episode. And on top of that, uh, thematically, the episode was about Archie sort of being a father figure for a kid. Mm-hmm. And so, like, that sort of generational switch with Archie as- assuming, uh, like, a father role uh, really hammered home that, you know, we've lost the actor that plays Archie's father and, you know, will it was just a real symbolic or coincidental connection that, that made the episode uh, feel a lot more than I would normally have thought. Also, it was like um, 
It was nice when the episode came out because it was back to like business as usual a little bit. I, I felt good when it started, but then once I saw him, I had to stop and just kind of take a moment. It was uh, it was tough. It was tough seeing him on screen, man, for sure. Yeah, it was uh, like you said. It was a very strange experience. You guys ended up, I think, watching it the next day. I assume on the CW app or something like that. Yeah. Uh, I was watching it live. And usually when you watch it live, you know, everybody is tweeting leading up to it. The cast and the crew, they're hyping it up. They're dropping footage. They're dropping pictures the entire time. They're live tweeting it and chatting about it. And we're cracking jokes on our live tweets and everybody's talking about it. But I think on our Twitter feed, there were maybe two people kind of talking about it the entire time. Just two fans that we follow. Uh, And that was... It was just silence. And I think that's what it should have been. But it was just from the perspective of watching it live every week like that, that was a very different experience. Uh, And I think that obviously everyone is really heart sick about the whole thing. But I would also argue like obviously I didn't really know Luke Perry, but the way he seems to have been and the way he came across to everyone. Uh, from everyone's perspective, feels like he would want everyone to enjoy the show. He doesn't want, I mm-hmm. would think he would not want like everyone to stop talking about the show or to stop enjoying it in the same way uh, just because he passed. But I think that collective holding of breath is appropriate at the same time. I think right. you're absolutely totally. right. And I think that's why everybody got on and actually did watch the show and did try to watch it live was to have that experience. Uh, I know for me, And I really wasn't expecting this, but as soon as the previously on came on and he wasn't even in the previously on, but I started to get choked up when I was watching it. Just the experience of, oh, my God, we're going into this episode. This is actually happening. We're actually watching it. And to your point, it's funny. The episode overall was very pleasant, I felt like. Like, (laughs) you know, there was still a little bit of danger that happened. There was usual twists, but... It wasn't necessarily muted. It was just not 100% like the episode usually is. It was more like there was a lot of school. It opened up with that very funny scene with Alice Cooper and Betty. Yeah. So Alice almost Smith. Imme- Alice Smith, excuse me. Yeah. So almost immediately jumping into the episode, it went from being very nervous about what was going on to that very funny scene at the beginning and kind of put me at ease. But then to your point, Justin, and I'm sure we'll talk about these scenes more, but the whole plot line with Archie... I don't know if they re-edited the episode at all, but that he kept saying, oh, my dad is downstairs or, oh, my dad won't be here. I kept feeling a tightening on my heart the entire time. And then eventually when he showed up, uh, Roberto Aguirre-Sacasa said part of the reason uh, on Twitter and Instagram, part of the reason that they were airing the show was – this was Fred Andrews being a good dad and helping his son. Yeah. And that's what he would have wanted people to see. That's what they wanted people to see. And that's what that scene eventually was. And to your point, Pete, it was hard to watch. But ultimately, to me, it felt very cathartic to get over that hub and actually watch the episode and get through that. Yeah. Also, speaking of holding your breath, like the tension for what was happening in the scene when, uh, uh, you know, Luke Perry showed up and then, you know, Archie was like, no, dad, no. I got like extra scared because of the danger and then what I knew. And I was just like, oh, my God, this is too much. And I had to stop it. It was just so I, I think my my guess, 
if there was any actual danger that Fred was in this episode, they would not have aired the episode. But right. as it was, he wasn't, and he was there to help, and he was never in any sort of danger whatsoever, which is, I think, what made it okay. Uh, personally. Well, I, I yeah. disagree. I felt like he was in danger for, for a couple seconds there. Uh, but, yeah, then it yeah, calmed down. it was a bad down. situation. Yeah, but yeah. I do think, too, what you were saying before, like, withholding, although Archie's saying, like, my dad's going to be here in a minute, that felt really like, it got, that got me a lot, too, because it was like, that's what it is going to be going forward. It's like Archie yeah. being like, my dad's going to be here. My, my dad was just here or he's not. And him having to realize my dad's not going to be here, even though we're, we're mixing like character and reality here. Right. But, uh, but I, you still feel it in that way. Yeah. We'll have to see how it plays out the next couple of weeks. Clearly he films another couple of episodes beyond this, which they may refilm. They may rework a bit. Uh, I did notice that the episode that they were filming this past week, Molly Ringwald was on set. So it certainly seems like they'll bring her in to finish up the season in some sense. But as it is, this episode was a good tribute to him. The memoriam was great. Um, Why don't we get in and talk about it? Right. All right. Yeah, let's do all it. Right, let's do it. Uh, and just to mention, if Pete seems off at all, he got bit by a dog on the way to recording the podcast. So he might get rabid like halfway through. Right, Pete? Yeah, cool. Glad you brought that up. Super awesome. Of you. Hey, that's, I don't that's, know why. It's not a knock on you, Pete. Yeah, you were bit your by a dog. Yeah. Wait, were you, did you have bacon? You have your bacon socks on? <laughs> you didn't have your bacon socks on, did you? I didn't have my fucking bacon socks on, you <laughs> asshole. <laughs> I, I was rushing to get to this podcast. Yeah, and I, I guess the dog was scared or something, and he fucking bit my leg. The dog didn't want you to express your uh, your opinions on Riverdale. Yeah, I guess, <laughs> I guess so. Yeah, that dog uh, loves uh, Seal Team over on CBS, which airs at the same time. It was like, only do a podcast about that. Row, uh, row, Yeah, Alex, I think we all know that Seal Team airs in the same time <laughs> slot as Riverdale. All right. Sorry. A lot of fan crossover there. But to be fair, but Pete is, (laughs) as you know, Pete is a little rabid in general. So if he, I feel like he may be foaming at the mouth less than usual. So enjoy that. Yeah, that's true. All right. Let's jump into it. We already talked about the scene, but it opens up. Uh, with a very funny scene of Alice trying to sell her house to a couple. Betty immediately comes downstairs and very pleasantly explains all the horrific things that have happened in the house. I thought the scene was great. It was really funny. Honestly, like, the Zillow page for this house has got to be fucked up. (laughs) (laughs) So, like, whoever these people are that walk in without doing the research, they deserve to live in the murder house. One thing that I really felt with this episode in particular, which we've talked around a lot, is how big Riverdale actually is. Uh, I got the feeling for this episode that it's even bigger than we thought it was. Because there's all of these people and all of these areas that don't know anything that's going on. And it feels like most of the time when you're watching a show, it's a small town where everybody knows each other's business. Right. And they're all focused on the high school. But the fact that these random people walked in are like, I don't. I don't know anything about this. So this town talking? was recently quarantined for an undisclosed <laughs> uh, reason. Uh, yeah, we'd like to check it out. Yeah, sounds good. Nice house. So there uh, was a murder. Several murderers on the loose at this time, like right now. Like, great. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. We're definitely interested in something with a kitchen and the potential for a murder to happen. Yeah. yeah. Are there any? Uh, uh, how how close is this to buying candy drugs? Because we regularly buy candy drugs, and we want to want it to be candy drugs accessible. 
is this where the for-profit prison's going to be, or is the other for-profit <laughs> prison right around here? Because we want to live near one of them. The secret speakeasy. We hear that's very nice and nobody knows about it. No, that's a secret. No one knows about that speakeasy <laughs> under the only restaurant in town. <laughs> now it says uh, a stone's throw from the secret sex bunker. Is that true? <laughs> well, is there a sign-up sheet outside? How do I get time in the sex bunker? Oh, it's a doodle. And it's a Google doodle. Okay, that makes <laughs> sense. Those are easy to manage. Yes. Google doodle? Isn't that what Doc? that is? Google Doc. You're thinking of a Google Doc. No, Doodle. Isn't that a Google thing where you sign up for times for something? I think Doodle is a separate thing from Google. Uh, They sound like. They have a lot of amazing products, i got to be honest. Uh, I've been been doodling. I'm a Doodle guy. Oh, great. That just sounded weird. All right. You want to walk us through the rest of this? Let's Yeah, (laughs) the rest of this. So um, we jump from the the fun uh, real estate scene into um, Archie, who is continuing his boxing career. Oh, yeah. Um, and uh, a totally creepy dude is like, hey, kid, you want to help out at the gym? It was weird that that wasn't Mr. Keller, right? Because yes. Mr. Keller has been the main person we thought was running the gym, but then this other guy comes in. But ultimately, I also really liked that scene because it ended up being very sweet and nice, which I felt like there was – we mentioned this a little bit before, but it felt like there was this Americana sweetness that has been missing from the show a little bit sometimes yeah. uh, that seeped throughout this episode. Uh, yeah, I think so. I mean, this was definitely a, like, uh, let's touch all the different things, the plots happening episode and uh, push the business down the field a little bit. Um, so I, I do think the Archie stuff had a nice sensibility to it. It felt like uh, Archie is, like, he is like it's official. He's a boxer. He's continuing this boxing thing, but it felt like sort of this this is Americana thing. I guess is what I was feeling. It's also weird that he was like, uh, "What? They don't have a uh, you know boxing thing at your school?" And Archie was like, "Yeah, I don't go to school anymore. I just box." <laughs> I mean, but they touched on that, right? The fact that he doesn't know what he's doing with his life. He doesn't have his grades. Uh, principal Weatherby, who I think we can all agree is the best principal of any school, crushing oh, it. Amazing, amazing job. Well, he did uh, stand up to the kids in this app. He goes, one more and you're out of here. Like, he, he got angry. Like, I know about several gangs at this school, and I'm fine <laughs> with it so far. When you guys meet in our uh, classrooms after hours, just don't get in a fist fight again. Right. He, well, to be fair to put Weatherby, and I know we're jumping ahead a little bit here, but he ended up on a slippery slope, right? He's essentially zoned the Southside Serpents as an official school club. Once you do that, you got to do the Pretty Poisons. You got to do the Gargoyle Gang. You got to do the uh, Ghoulies. You got to do the uh, Pez Dispensers and uh, the uh, Keyboard Keys and all of the other gangs in town. I think you made up the last two. No, nope. coming soon nope. to Riverdale. <laughs> Spoilers. Uh, so yeah, that, that's the next scene. We get the we get the Goyles. The Gargoyle Gang is referred to later in this episode as the some rogue Goyles, which I thought was very fun. <laughs> the Farmies, the Poisons, everybody's the Cools, the Jerks, the Jocks. Everyone's meeting. Uh, whether he's cool. We got to see a little bit more of Peaches and Cream in the scene. She still hasn't done a whole lot. Like the uh, the actress Bernadette Beck, I think, did an excellent job of hyping up her part and making people interested about it. But ultimately, she's just kind of Tony's second in command, right? Yeah. But the way she moves through the scene, I think, is kind of nice. There's sort of like 
this serpentine thing that she does when she's walking that's kind of mm. neat. Um, yeah. I like it. But then she does the bubble pop that immediately goes to the explosion out of the hallway. Jughead and Tony run in to break up the gangs. And then, as we mentioned, Weatherby's like, I'm going to give you one more chance, one more gang fight. And then, to mention, they have several more chances of horrible things that happen later in the episode, and Weatherby does nothing. Yeah. <laughs> but like, why don't these gangs meet at any other place besides the high school? Like, right. Uh, truly, anywhere. Like, later also, in the episode, the, the serpents have a house. <laughs> like, they own a house. Like, why yes. don't they just meet there? Oh, you also, mean the shat, baby hand shack? Yeah. Yeah. I don't know baby about your guys' shack. school, but you couldn't get away uh, with dangling another student over uh, a railing for that amount of time before somebody <laughs> else, like a teacher or somebody, would do something. How long could you get away with it for? <laughs> I don't yeah. know, but it seemed really long. Yeah. You come from Rochester, a big dangle town, right? (laughs) Huge dangling. A lot of dangles. God, I think of the people you dangled in your life. Uh, Shall we break this down uh, piece by piece? Uh, Yeah, sure. Maybe we do uh, jump into a Le Bon Nuit storyline? Sure. Let's do it. So Veronica's been – she has a secret speakeasy, as we know uh, here in this episode that it's still a secret. Yeah, she Uh, points that out. Yes, uh, her and um, um, uh, Reggie, man Monica, very strong. Definitely in their less sexual, more uh, business-only uh, situation here. <laughs> uh, they're the front part of the mullet in this. Uh, yeah, well, what do you think about that? I mean, I've seen a lot of fans discussing that online, what the relationship is actually re- like. I personally don't have a problem with it. I'm fine with them being all business in the front, party in the back. Uh, but a lot of people are taking that as, oh, their relationship is going to hit the skids pretty soon. Varchi is going to be back. Man Monica is done. Do you guys read it that way? Not yet. No, I think Man Monica is strong. Um, I do still think we're headed to an end of season Barchi reveal. Uh, Whoa! That's what my prognosis is. Why is that your prognosis? Because I, something something has to change. We can't just have uh, Archie and Veronica get back together, business as usual. Archie's <laughs> going through some shit. The thing that's going to – his shining star that he's going to reach for is the girl next door. Ooh, okay. Stop push, pushing your stupid agenda. So I will say – this is jumping ahead, but there was that scene in the common room, which by the way, again, I love just watching the core four hanging out together and chatting and being friends. I feel like we haven't seen that in a year at this yeah. point. And it's just – it's so nice. Like the, the cast has a good relationship together. It's fun to watch them interact. So just seeing and, them hang out was great. But uh, there was a thing where Betty says, oh, I'm going to lose my house. I don't have anywhere to live. And Veronica says, you can stay at the Pembroke. Jughead is like, we're, we're a little crowded, but you can stay at the trailer. And then Archie's like, you know, you can always stay with me. I have a and random a, kid in my house. Yeah, but then Betty gives him a look after that. That's what I'm talking about. No, no. She gives him a look because he's holding a basketball for some random reason. <laughs> Why do you have a basketball? I mean, Archie anything, loves put sports. A, yeah, but put a football in his hand. Basketball Archie, doesn't make any sense. He's an all-multi-sport athlete. He could be holding yeah. a volleyball. Also, that shit belongs in the gym. I'm sorry. Would you put a football in Michael Jordan's hand, Pete? What? No. He played baseball briefly. I oh, had a we, car. You could, put a, you could put a baseball in his hand. And also, Pete, you can have your sports outside of the gym. Right. A lot of sports are outside. 
Yeah, but uh, the never, I'm not going to get into this with you. This I will say that scene was especially crazy because everyone's just hanging out, chill. Like, yeah, school's crazy. And then Archie's like, yeah, I got branded by the gargoyles and I have a homeless boy living with me. Yeah. <laughs> anyway, what are you guys up to? <laughs> anyway, I have a kid now. What's up, guys? Did you have a problem uh, with the fact that Jughead was eating safari animal crackers, but they didn't have any crazy name? I, I was staring at them the entire scene, waiting for it to be what? like something ridiculous like Senior Mints, which were revealed earlier in the uh, movie theater episode, or uh, I think it was like Twizzlers or whatever the fake Twizzlers were. But yeah. this is just Safari. Good, good eyes, Alvin. Real, real, eye. real bummer, that's all I'm saying. Yeah, they had a huge missed opportunity to have uh, uh, some fun animal crackers. Yes. Well, what would you have named them? Some sort of fun animal cracker name. Uh, yeah, 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 yeah. Like... Um, uh, let's see, uh, <laughs> Fanimal Crackers? Oh, Manimal Crackers. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, cool, let's talk great. about this more. All right. Uh, we could just call them Bad Cookies, because that's what <laughs> Animal Crackers are. Hey, fuck Whoa. you, man. Animal Crackers are amazing. No, they're not cookies, they're crackers. No, yeah, they're, they're not crackers. Wait, they, did you say took a, they took a mediocre cracker and were like, let's fool people with the shapes. What are you talking about? No, they're much more cookies. They shouldn't be called crackers. Yeah, they're delicious. But they're but they're not. They're like in between crackers and cookies. They're not in between. It, they're a cookie. Would you no, put cheese on them? Would you put cheese on them? I don't eat those. I that's I throw them in the trash. Oh my god, that's a waste. <laughs> oh yeah, animal crackers should be behind bars and foods. Oh my god, <laughs> Jesus, lock them up. That is Man, some serious ethnic cleansing for animal crackers going that's out here. Not- <laughs> oh man. Uh, so, uh, let's keep talking about, uh, man, Monica, which is where sure, we we're staying pretty focused on that. So yeah, yeah let's keep going. Oh uh, my God. So, uh, Veronica spent the whole episode, uh, and Reggie uh, by her side dealing with, um, she has Hiram who's like up in her business trying to bring like clients there and get free drinks, whether or not they're soda or just, uh, lightly tinted, um, water, uh, dyed water or whatever it is. And then you got Gladys, who's also running a tab, and she's like raising hell, and yeah, it's messing being a up drunk and asshole, business. like trash in the place. What the fuck? It's not cool, guys. No, it's not cool. Uh, I understand it's part of the plot, but again, there's got to be other places in Riverdale, right, for adults to hang out. Yeah, than a child's bar. <laughs> yeah, yeah, why like, not go to the White Worm? Hey, I want to impress my clients. I'll bring them to a child's bar underneath the diner. <laughs> Um, I mean, I guess, listen, Lobotomy is pretty cool. I'd like to hang out there. I think it's probably way too cool for me to hang out in, but it would be fun. It would be a nice time. It is cool. And I understand Veronica is in a tough spot. She owes these people money, uh, and she can't can't get out of it. Uh, Hiram talks about how he wants to put a a business making playing cards into one of his for-profit prisons, which was a – Crazy specific to lay out. <laughs> Very elaborate plan. Yeah. Also, does he – why does every business he have has to be out of prison? Like there, there's got to be other locations than a prison to make playing cards and drugs yeah. and things like that. Cheap labor. He's got the cheap labor of the prison. Uh, I think is what he's right. Saying. That's fair. Uh, okay. It's not, it's it's not, not about like it's, space. Right. It's not about space or prisons or international waters or anything like that. No, it's just fun. Uh, and the, obviously, half of Riverdale is in jail because they've all murdered someone. Uh, <laughs> Can I ask you, why is Veronica so casual with her dad? 
Like, it really drove me nuts when she's, like, brushing her hair, and then she's like, oh, hi, Daddy. Why are you being nice to this evil motherfucker? Like, why do you immediately forget about all the horrible things that he has done? That, uh, I, I would say, to be fair, I think that's something that's been kind of a slow ride going on there, where she hit a breaking point, she moved out of the Pembroke, and then... She that almost, stayed out. She should have, but then she uh, had the seizure, ended up back at the Pembroke, and very slowly she's gotten back to what counts as normal for the Lodge family. So... Again, I, I think that's kind of been a slow burn there to get to that point. So I personally didn't have too much of a problem with it. Makes me so mad. Uh, so Veronica decides, let's go back to how we made money and have a ha- turn our secret speakeasy into a casino. We spent a lot of time in the uh, sort of uh, renovation portion of the episode. Wait, where we no, see no, how they- that montage <laughs> was fantastic. You love the we- secret I ways? I to see him. Like all of a sudden he was behind the thing and he's flipping it. Oh, that was hysterical. I loved it. Truly, it was like a home and garden TV show where yeah. they were like, look, we hit all this in the look walls. what you can do right. with a regular bar. The whole thing, that should have taken them weeks, if not months, right, yeah. to yeah. do that. Especially if they are barely getting by. That was a like right. ten to $20,000 uh, construction project. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Who did that no, construction? No, no. It was an afternoon. Reggie just kind of took an afternoon, whipped together a secret casino in the middle of the Wanui. And then they were good to go. He's very handy. Also, I should point out that uh, hiding all the stuff seemed like it took probably a solid 15 to 20 minutes or yeah, something like yeah. that. If the cops were in the place, she would not be all the way through by the time they got down the steps. Yeah, yeah if the cops, uh, led by a noted gang member, <laughs> FP, ever raided this child's casino bar, they would really get a call. <laughs> And again, uh, just naming specifics of the show that we all love. Yes. Uh, so uh, Hiram and Gladys are taking advantage. Gladys, uh, Veronica first tries to make a deal to um, get some of her debt chipped away. Five percent. Doesn't really work because they're assholes. She gives Gladys a chance to sing, uh, which was a fun moment. Uh, or, wait, so let me get this straight. The lady who trashed the place is an awful drunk, sobers up and goes, I want to sing. And she's like, Sure. I mean, that's well, a good deal for Veronica. She's like, you'll take 10% off my debt if you just sing 5%, a song. 5%. 5%. 5%. Well, two yeah, songs. Yeah, and I think, here's the thing. The impression that I've gotten from Gladys is she kind of doesn't care. Like, she has plans, but she seems very casual about everything. She's just sort of having a good time with all of it. I don't think it matters too much to her if it's 5% less off of her take or anything like that. She's still getting the money. She's still getting the free drinks. She wants of, to sing. But what kind of That's bargaining it. was that? You lowballed with 5%. Start at 15, say 20, and then yeah. they come back and then settle on 5. Uh-oh. That was just ridiculous. Pete, look, sounds like Pete wants to be uh, Reggie. Pete wants to be in the man-monica relationship. I'm just saying I just couldn't believe like if you owe $75,000 – don't lowball it with the five percent. Try to knock away some of that. I gotta say, prefer, Pete, you're, when when you're when you're rabid, you make better deals. <laughs> <laughs> it helps. It helps. Yeah, this is why uh, whenever we go for, to get financing for our podcasts, we uh, have a dog bite Pete right before yeah. we walk in the bank. That's it. Never, right in the arm of the deal. Again. Donald Trump always gets bit by a rabid dog before he does a deal. Yeah, that explains a lot. <laughs> uh, so. 
Man Monica, uh, they are not, it's not working out with the deals they cut with Gladys and Hiram. So they are like, let's throw these people out. And Veronica gets a great idea to get the pretty poisons to be her protection in the bar. Did this make sense? Well, uh, did I miss something? And at some point, the serpent stopped being protection for her bar? Well, it's a little weird because Gladys runs the serpent, sort of. Mm-hmm. Technically, she does. She brought in the gargoyles to join the serpent gang, but Jughead runs the serpents from the high school. So it is a little confusing, I, I do think. Right. But Veronica was paying the serpents, which was a big deal a couple of episodes back, to run protection for Le Bon Nui. And then she said, wait a second, I'm going to get the pretty poisons to run protection for Le Bon Nui. It felt like there was something uh, missing there. Like maybe... Oh, go ahead. I was going to say, if I had to explain it away, I would think because she owes Gladys money, Gladys has more of a stake in the serpents. So the serpents are loyal to Gladys above Veronica. So they wouldn't be protecting the Bondui from Gladys. Right. Yeah. Yeah, that's fair. All right. That makes sense. Um, but yeah, she hires the poisons, which ties into Cheryl and Tony's storyline, which yeah, I think we yeah. can kind of Veronica had a little uh, dig there when they had the meeting at Pops. And she was like, oh, do you need to check with Cheryl first before you say okay to this? Well, let, let, let's explain what's going on with Cheryl and Tony. So they had their first fight two episodes back, and they had their yeah. second fight one episode back. This episode, Cheryl is leading the Pretty Poisons. They end up in a gag war in the middle of the school with the Goyles and the farmies. farm, the Farmies, who seem very violent. And I'd be very scared about getting in a fight with yeah, the Farmies. Terrifying. Yes. Uh, Tony's pretty pissed about it. Cheryl doesn't quite understand why. They have a scene in the bedroom uh, where Tony's like, I wouldn't want to have to kick you out of the gang. You know, I wouldn't want to have to put my foot down. And Cheryl's like, well, I wouldn't want to have to kick the pretty poisons out of my house. The girls are so looking forward to being in the pool. Later on, after the pretty poisons get hired, uh, Tony says, hey, I'm going to go over to the bar for a first night on the great new job. You know, all of us pretty poisons, by which I mean me and peaches and cream. Uh, And (laughs) do you want to come? And Cheryl, who's reading The Price of Salt, a classic lesbian novel, uh, says, uh, no, I'm actually feeling a little under the weather, so I'm going to stay here. And Tony says, okay, well, I'll see you later. And Cheryl says, no, I'll probably be asleep. Cold. I don't it's, like Cheryl right now. I don't like how cold what are you t- So here's the thing. I think this is, frankly, a lot more on Tony this episode. Like, I think. What? How are you going to put that on Tony? Here's how I'm going to put it on Tony, Pete, is <laughs> that Tony, Cheryl is giving off incredibly clear signals about how she feels. And Tony is just barreling ahead with. This gang, the Pretty Poisons, is what is important to me. I got to stick by the procedure with my gang instead of taking care of my girlfriend. Uh, And if she took – no. If she took five Uh, more minutes, five more minutes after Cheryl very clearly sitting there on the bed and being pissy and was like, hey, I know you're upset about everything that's going on. I love you. Let's talk about this. And then left – that would make a huge difference. Okay, I agree that talking needs to happen, but back up the fucking truck there, Zalvin. Okay, what what You guys are happened? having a classic Cheryl Tony moment right now. <laughs> so first Wait, off, 
Cheryl is acting uh, like she wrote. Cheryl. Excuse me, I'm trying to make a fucking point here. Cheryl Classic acts Cheryl. like Cheryl. That's a Classic Cheryl, Cheryl thing to move. do. Can I talk? Cheryl is <laughs> acting like she runs the goddamn poisons, and Tony's fighting for her life over here. She got kicked out of one game because of Cheryl. She would like to at least have some kind of control. That's all she's trying to say. She asked Cheryl, like, who runs this? I do, right? I run this? Cool. Can I please run this? So she's just trying to run the gang, and Cheryl's all fucking being pissy about it. Like, oh, I'm not going to join you because you made one decision without me with the gang that I said you could run. And also, mm, I'm going to be asleep tonight. So you're down on Cheryl, but I got to say, I think Tony's the one who's being selfish. She's not communicating her need to be in charge of a gang to make herself happy. Cheryl's like sort of just playing her game and doing her shit. And Tony's the one who is not opening up and telling her how she's actually feeling. I also think Tony, uh, I think the problem here is Tony is dating Cheryl Blossom, right? She knows she's dating Cheryl Blossom. She knows who Cheryl Blossom is. She knows how Cheryl Blossom approaches problems, how she acts, and is treating her as if she is just any other person versus the person she has realized she's in love with. Oh, okay. Right? Just because it's Cheryl, she gets away with stuff? No, Cheryl needs to be No, she doesn't get away with stuff. But communicating to her partner about what's going on. As much growth as Cheryl has gone through over the past couple of years, and in particular the past year with Tony, there's she still has that undercurrent of being the HBIC, of being the person who just wants to cause a little chaos, right? And particularly in times of stress, we fall back on our bad habits. That's just what we do as human beings. That yes. is Don't make exactly. That's Cheryl's exactly. better than that. I love Cheryl. I think Cheryl's no. amazing. Cheryl needs to spend less time shooting arrows and more time shooting words into Tony's ear and communicating. Because <laughs> yeah. that's, Tony, Tony that's Tony needs to missing. slow down and listen. She's not dating the prison poisons. She's dating Cheryl Blossom, girl. I agree with that. She does need to slow down, but also it would be nice if she was getting some support with what's going on. I think they both just need to talk to each other and they need to yep. calm down instead of shouting about something constantly. Pete. Fuck and you what about my dog? Who's running the river vixens is my big question. Oh, they are, they're sitting in the gymnasium just slowly rotting to death, just yeah. like turning into skeletons waiting for practice to start. Are there any prisons we need to do a cheer out in front of? No? Okay. Yeah. Right. Uh, I got to say, though, with that first scene with Shoni Chopaz, um, you can see on Tony's face that their relationship is in peril. Aww. What do you think is going to happen? I mean, this is jumping ahead to the promo for the next episode, but do you think they're done? No, they're, they're going to work it out. They're headed for a breakup. I believe in love. They can work it out. You're going to trust me. <laughs> you're going to trust the rabbit guy. <laughs> it's actually Break really up. interesting, Pete, that you're like, I'm so pissed about what's going on with Tony and Cheryl, they will never break up. <laughs> yep. Huh. Wow. That's interesting. It is interesting. Well, That's, anyway, so the pretty poison. It's poisons, too amazing uh, come, of a couple. Uh, I just wanted to mention one thing in the Veronica and Tony meeting. So they both uh, they cheers with milkshakes. 
And there's this adorable moment at the end, yeah, where uh, Veronica just kind of sips up a milkshake and does like this little happy shimmy because everything's worked out. It was just a fun little moment to hold on. That's all. That was. You know, you got to pick your battles. You got to find your joy. I, that, uh, that sparked joy. I, it did spark joy. I like it when Peaches and Cream does a little shimmy into a sh- scene. I like it with Van- uh, Vanessa. Uh, Veronica does a super happy little shimmy there. More shimmying. That's what I want to see. I You're want to see people shimmy. shimmy, shimmy guy. I like a shimmy. Uh, let's talk Archie storyline next. Um, oh, boy. Yeah. So uh, we start Archie. Obviously, he's going to start Wait, sweeping up. Wait, did we finish Veronica's storyline? Um, yeah, basically, the pretty poisons are protecting the... Oh, okay. All right, yeah. I was uh, really surprised, though, that uh, both... Uh, the leader of the serpents and uh, Mafia King just quietly turned away after they got thrown out of a club. Yeah, I don't think that's going to turn out well for Veronica. I think no. ultimately that's going to blow back on her in a big way. Also, if you're like, yeah, please leave. Um, I just have two people standing behind me. So, if, like, yeah, what? I have two high school gang members standing <laughs> yeah. behind me. And I guess they'll have to turn that cool club back into the giant basement of a tiny diner. Uh, so let's move on to uh, Archie and Josie. Or Archie, I guess, specifically. Uh, Archie is just, he's cleaning up after, uh, at night in the gym. And Josie shows up and they're like, maybe we should grab a bite at Pops. You know, the only restaurant in town that we ever eat at. Makes sense. Uh, and they find a child hiding in the gym. Who's just playing uh, with a Zippo. Just you hanging know. out, doing like... Uh, like things that kids do in movies where to show that they're bad kids playing with a lighter. <laughs> That's what he's doing. Uh, his name is Ricky. He came from a shelter. He is branded with the same gargoyle symbol that Archie is branded with. So, of course, Archie's like, I'm going to teach this kid how to box. I've been doing it for four days. I need to teach this kid how to do it, too. I mean, it was kind of adorable the way he looked out for Ricky. I mean, you know. I just think he needs to work on his parenting. You can't leave a kid at a restaurant and then go to school. Yes. Uh, Archie's not being a great dad uh, throughout this episode. Um, Pop tells him what ha- happened to Ricky. Imagine the shit that uh, Pop sees on a daily basis in that diner. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but he's helping Archie out. Uh, Ricky does a pretty awesome drawing of a Garlow oh, yeah, King Yeah, it was really morning. good drawing. Very yeah. good. He's a good uh, artist. He's yeah. a great artist. I just wish he wasn't such a psychopath, which is what we learn uh, later in the episode. Yeah. Yes. Uh, yeah. Do we want to skip ahead to that? I mean, there's this whole yeah. training, not training montage, but they play video games together. They chat together. They have a good time together. Also, uh, he took that phone call and was like, just goes to the next room and talks very loud about the kid. That was super obvious. So back at Archie's house where Ricky's living, um, he takes a call from, I guess, the social worker who's handling Ricky's case. Finds out that Ricky is Joaquin's younger brother, um, and he has a history of violence, which we instantly know means trouble, and Ricky has a knife. And we find out that he faked the symbol on his wrist, and he wants to join the gargoyles, and to do that, he has to kill Archie. The red paladin. Yeah. Yeah. we, when they went to visit the baby hand uh, house, the gargoyle home, and uh, mm-hmm. the only names on a list of people in the corner that were not crossed off, all people that had been killed, were Archie and Ricky's, and we find out that Ricky added his name to the list to try to get closer to Archie. Uh, 
Which is a crazy scheme. Yeah. Well, the whole whole scheme, uh, sorry, the whole scheme was completely off the wall in terms of what he was doing. Like, get it off the wall, the name written on the wall. Yeah. It was was actually pretty on the wall. Yes. (laughs) Uh, Yeah, but it really, like, I I understand getting close to him so that he uh, would trust him, that they would that he eventually could stab him just like Joaquin did. But it was a very roundabout way to make it happen ultimately. You know? Yeah. Yeah. Agreed. Yeah. There, uh, were, just, also, there were too many steps there was the problem. Also, uh, I, it was just so weird to me how scared Archie has gone up against so many villains. And then there's a little kid with a knife and he was kind of freaking out. I was like, you know, I mean, Archie, you've, you've fought people in a prison Bare knuckle style. Yeah, There's a but little he's kid not going to beat knife. the shit out of a kid. Well, That's no, not I'm not happen. saying beat the shit out of a kid, but I'm like, you know, d- don't act like it's that huge of a threat. Yeah, I mean, it is. Archie's face down like worst criminals in that room. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah, sure. sure. <laughs> but I think also he trusted this kid. He felt like he saw himself in this kid, and if he is really grappling with the idea of am I a good person or am I a bad person? What can I do with my life? If this kid who was representative of that turns out to be evil, that says a lot about him. I think that's what he was dealing with there. It was more of an emotional struggle. Right. Um, And then um, this is when we see uh, Fred Andrews show up and Archie has to protect him. And uh, this whole scene and sequence, he diffuses the situation and everything's fine. Um, it, it made me think, why is Archie such a target? Why is everyone trying to kill the Red Paladin? Um, I don't know. Do you think there's a connection with Archie? Is that what's going on? Well, that's what – if this is a multi-generational thing, does, uh, does Fred represent – was he the – he was sort of the Archie of his generation. He was the, the Red Paladin back in the day. So is this – is Archie being a focus of the game to kill him? a reflection of that because that that i think supports my theory uh that hermione is the gargoyle king well i i also think that archie you know foiled a lot of or at least helped foil a lot of the gargoyle king's plans especially the jail where that the the guy who ran that jail had to kill himself because of archie i think he's on a shit list for the gargoyle gang definitely but i don't know why it doesn't make sense what has archie ever done to be part of this larger game I don't know. I mean, maybe it's just that he got away. Like it was a mission that was unfinished and they need to finish that mission at this point. Yeah, I guess. But that mission was, we I never think, knew why to begin with. I guess that that was back when Archie was, you know, in jail for, uh, for killing someone. So, well, I think it uh, supports my theory, which is that bear is the gargoyle king and he wants Archie <laughs> dead because he tried to kill him and got, he barely got away. So, yeah, barely. That would, uh, good, yeah, good. Yeah, yeah. That would be an awesome reveal if we find at the end of the season <laughs> that the bear was the gargoyle king. Yeah, yeah. Um, so I don't know. I, we can talk about that at the end. Uh, at the end, when we make our predictions, uh, real quick, we should talk about Jughead. I think sort of separately. Uh, sure. There was some. There was some fun stuff with FP where he's like doing cop stuff, and it's clear like. What is his job? He's not a real cop. He's like, oh, I figured the gangs were going to show up again. It's like, yeah, of course. You run one of them. Uh, I I know we touched on this, but I do want to just say that, like, uh, 
the uh, you know to go back a little bit when Archie and uh, and his dad were talking. You know those kind of like amazing moments, and it made me think of it because it was like FP and Jughead. Those dad talks are very kind of cool and powerful and a big part of the show. So it was great that we kind of got both of those in this episode. Right. Yeah. Kind of absolutely. The dad talking them down a little bit to be like, "Hey, listen, you gotta, you know." So uh, Jughead's big thing is about this gang war that's brewing internally in the Serpents, where Kurtz who got adopted into the Serpent's last episode, um, essentially doesn't want to listen to Jughead at all. He's rude. He's mean to everybody. He ends up taking fangs and dumping him over a staircase, even though Sweet Pea and Jughead end up catching fangs. Nice catch. It was a nice catch. It was a very nice catch. He fell like almost seven or eight feet. Like he could have died. If he fell out his head, that would have been Yeah, he was hanging upside down, Dick. No, Jughead does a classic Rochester thing to say, Pete. Uh, Jughead does make the point, like, he could have broken his neck, or worse. Yeah. He's uh, right. So, <laughs> uh, so ultimately what happens is FP ends up deputizing the serpents. They end up uh, becoming the law in Riverdale. So they're going to get paid. They're going to get school credit. That to me was the craziest, one of the craziest <laughs> lines of the episode. Like, don't worry, guys, you're getting paid. You're getting school credit. Because not, nothing more valuable than high school credits. Yeah. Right. Especially when you're applying to college. And it was like, oh, I see you have, you worked with law enforcement. Yeah, we were a local <laughs> gang that worked with law enforcement. Yeah, that's, that's hilarious. <laughs> yeah. Oh, cool. You're going to do well here at Yale. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, so th- that's kind of the end of this storyline. Uh, what should we jump over to Betty's storyline? Well, real quick, the episode for Jughead ends with the um, the serpents turning the gargoyle house into their new lair. Yeah, right. And it does seem like they're about to turn their focus on the gargoyle gang as an ongoing problem for everyone. Which you know, it really points out that it's hard to get a house in Riverdale if people are willing to buy that weird baby arm place as well as Betty's place, you know, I mean, it's got to be tough to get property over there. Well, once again, if you check the Zillow entry for the baby arm house, it has a lot of great features in addition to just the baby arm room. All right, let's talk Betty and Kevin. Uh, Kevin is fully farmed up at the beginning of this episode, um, and Betty is stressed about it. As she should be. She should be worried about her friend. He's completely brainwashed and acting like such an a-hole to Betty. Well, but, I mean, it, it, Betty's mom is fully farmed up, too, so you think Betty would sort what? of... She's just supposed to be okay with people being brainwashed? No, that's not right. Uh, yeah, no, I don't, I don't think she should be okay with it. And I think Kevin is being super weird this episode. I think part of that is the farm initiation and the farm training, which is breaking his brain. We talked about that with the previous episode. Um, but he's definitely being rude to Betty in particular. You know, yeah. you can see that in the scene when they walk through the lounge. Oh. Betty gives him a pleasant wave and he just glares at her. Yeah. So I don't know if there's a... I mean, one interpretation is Evelyn, as part of the farm initiation, told Kevin about all the things that Betty did. Oh, and that was heartbreaking. That's how he's able to reveal it later. And once he knows that, once he knows all the horrible things she's done, maybe he doesn't feel the same way about her. That could be. I also think Betty, like, 
Alice desperately wants Betty to join the farm. So I think Kevin is targeting Betty as like, why are you holding out? Everyone wants you to be a part of this. Uh, she, he calls her a detractor. That's not a way to get her involved. You don't call somebody a detractor and then be like, hey, join the farm. Well, tractors are super important to the farm. Yeah, detractor. You gotta use detractor at the farm. Yeah, that's how. That's how you detrim the wheat. You gotta something to a little Jamaican accent there. Yeah, thank you. I'm trying out for a part. Oh, cool! I look forward to it. You're just the right actor to portray that role. It's a sequel to Cool Runnings. Oh, good, good. Uh, so uh, Betty uh, is investigating as she does uh, oh, I love and it. She, she sees Kevin and the farmies in the chemistry lab holding their hands over flames to test their uh, I guess commitment might uh, which leads uh, very seamlessly into um, Betty sneaking up to the secret farming meeting in the woods where there's a like basically a luau um, and <laughs> it's pretty awesome uh, there's a massive pit of coals uh, and only through the fire will you be cleansed, is what yeah. Evelyn ever now, is saying. Let me let me uh, let me ask you something. We talked about this a little bit leading up to the episode before we were recording, but Justin, you know Twin Peaks the best. Yes. Uh, we were expecting there would be some sort of Twin Peaks to this whole yeah. episode, given that it was called Fire Walk with Me, but it was literally. Firewalk with me, not firewalk with me, right? Like there was should no be called firewalk with Kev if you're going to be that literal. <laughs> uh, it should really have been called fire's going to be around, <laughs> right? Because that's there, there was no, all fires. There was nothing actually Twin Peaksy about the episode, right? I, I didn't notice anything, and I was really looking forward to it because I do think Twin Peaks was uh, uh, somewhat of an inspiration to this show. Um, yeah. So uh, it is funny. Maybe it's sort of funny uh, to only use the the reference for the fire part but i was definitely looking out for some uh some easter eggs yeah uh i'll i'll mention i actually looked up walking on coals and how you do it i don't know if you guys know any information about this Um, i know that like a lot of you know you see those like motivational speaker things Mm -hmm. where they do stuff stunts like that but I just assumed it was like fake coals and it was just about getting over your fears. No, it actually is walking on coals. But he- here's the deal. So first of all, you, it doesn't matter how hot the coals are. Like they can be a thousand degrees and it's fine. Um, if there's a layer of ash, basically you take the coals, make sure that they've been burning for a while. They're very hot, but they're covered with ash. And then you cover, you get your feet wet The first thing that happens is when the water hits the heat, it creates a protective layer of steam around your foot that keeps the heat off of it. Second of all, the coals will get hot, but they don't transfer the heat very well So through the layer of ash. So as long as you keep walking in a steady motion across the coals, not running because that will press down into the coals through the layer of ash – but as long as you walk feet flat at a consistent pace, about a half a second per foot, you'll actually be totally fine. Let's That's do it. Let's yeah, fucking so do it. Let's do it. Yeah. You know, we've never really had an initiation to get into our group. So <laughs> oh, yeah. it's about time we hazed each other. And the, as soon as the weather gets better here in New York, I'm putting a coal pit in my backyard and we're going <laughs> to do a walkthrough. Nice. Cool. I'll videotape you guys doing it. 
cool. Cool. As long as you're videotaping from inside the pulpit. <laughs> uh, but that said, le- like you mentioned with the motivational speaker thing, it is a very cult thing to do. One thing that I've weirdly appreciated about the farm storyline is a lot of the stuff does stay even with the way that cults act. You know, that uh, that is pretty consistent there. <laughs> okay. No, it is. Like, <laughs> yeah. There's a lot of uh, there's a lot of unrealistic things that happen pretty regularly on Riverdale, but this cult is not one of them. <laughs> yeah, for a cult, they're being just the right amount of culty. Yeah. Uh, so to follow that storyline out, um, Betty rolls up, uh, tries to interrupt the coal walking ceremony, doesn't the like farmies, a good friend, like a good friend. The farmies seem to be like totally fine with her having snuck up on their secret private mm-hmm. ceremony, which I thought was odd. Uh, then we find out that Alice has sold the house to an anonymous buyer, which Ooh. makes Betty angry. We find her testing her hand over the flame in the same way that the farmies were. Yeah, that was a weird connection. moment uh, yeah. where Betty, I was like, Betty, what are you doing? You're stronger than that. Don't don't give in to the farm. Uh, also, I want to talk about the uh, – they quickly just said, yeah, bought by an anonymous – like why wouldn't you care who bought the house – I feel like it's uh, it's definitely uh, Veronica's dad there. I'm completely blanking on his name. You think it's Hiram? Yeah. No, no, no. It's uh, I, I could probably throw out who I think it is. I'm pretty sure it's Gladys Jones. Like I think you, we know the Jones family doesn't have enough room in their trailer anymore. We know Gladys has a ton of money. What would be a bigger fuck you to Alice than Gladys buying a house for her at FP? Right? Like, it's a very typical Gladys move, and I, I think that's what we're going to see next episode. That's we'll cool. Well, we'll we haven't seen a lot of F Palace in the last couple of weeks. Oh, I no. miss F Palace. Yeah. Well, it's interesting. I wonder how, like, uh, with Alice being such a farmy, like, how does that, how does that affect her relationship with FP? I, I think f- FP is the only one who can pull her out of that. I totally agree, but I think we're going to reach a breaking point with F Palace next episode. At least that's what it seems from the promo coming up, um, where she will essentially give him an ultimatum and say, do you love me? If so, don't be with Gladys. He's probably going to say, it's complicated. She is the mother of my children, and that's not going to be enough for Alice. I'm I'm hoping next episode, Betty Burns the farm down. That would be crazy if we went to the farm and then Betty burned it down. So you think the next couple of episodes, every episode is going to end with Betty burning a different location in Riverdale to the ground? It would be glorious. Great. Wow. Interesting take. Well, I'm curious to see. I feel like Gladys is trying to break up F Palace by buying a house to turn into an F Palace. Oh. Baby. All right. Anything else we need to talk about with the episode? Any other particular plot points? Well, we should say that Betty then burns her. <laughs> right. But the, she's okay with it. She meets up with her friends. Oh, she and was she's... so happy. It was so great to see her so happy. Yeah. Do you didn't like when she was shimmering there, Alex? She did a little shimmy. She was like happy. She did no, a little that's happy. That's true. There was a pretty good shimmy. Yeah, yeah that's true. Yeah. Right. Post arson shimmy. It was great. I love it. All right. Good. Uh, why don't we move into some tweets from you guys? How about that? What do you guys think? Oh, uh, not, you not you tweets? guys. Not the two oh. of you. Tweets oh. from me? Okay. Yeah. Cool. Uh, Justin tweets, hey, guys, having a great time with my two kids. 
And <laughs> Pete yeah, was like, day, oh, fuck, that. got bit with a dog, by a dog, hashtag dog. Uh, Pete, I hate to tell you, but dog bites man is not a story. Man bites dog. Now that's a story. Dude, nice. If I didn't have to be here, I would have done that. Uh, so let's get into the tweets from you guys. Uh, this is uh, Stephanie says, do you guys think it's odd that Weatherby seems to just allow gags to pop up at the school? Also, is it just me or is the season kind of all over the place? One more. Will we see the farm at all before the season ends? Uh, I think, yes, we're going to see the farm yeah. pretty we soon. We have to see the farm, yeah. Yeah. Uh, we talked about the Weatherby thing. It is, in fact, odd that he lets the gags uh, pop up in the school. And what do you guys think? Is the season all over the place? I mean, it's all over the place in that there are just so many plot lines happening all the time. And but I think we just... I'm sorry. We, we, I was going to say we get into episodes like this one and like uh, like the last one, I think, where there's just... It's like a business episode where they're, they're setting up the storylines to be in a place where they can you know, really pop. Uh, I, I think the show is just kind of, um, you know, it's a crazy fun show and it kind of, uh, it is all over the place sometimes. Yeah. All right. These are a couple of questions from Ryan Hensela. Do you think Cheryl and Tony are going to break up? We addressed that a little earlier. Yes. Uh, no. <laughs> there you go. Shoney, Shoney no pass. Shoney no pass. Also, Cheryl and Tony need to have a nice long talk so they can get through this fight they have been uh, having because they are not communicating very well. Sherry also better not join the farm if her and Tony break up. Uh, I don't know. I could see Cheryl being like, well, fine. I'm joining the farm. No way. Not after that experience she had at that like nun crazy place. She wouldn't go to a place like that. I think she'd do it as casually as she is doing basically everything else. Nope. Well, let's – if You don't Cheryl, know Cheryl. If Cheryl and Tony break up, Cheryl will leave the Pretty Poisons. She needs to do something. What does right. she do? If she leaves the Stop Pretty Poisons – Stop talking about them breaking up. No, but here's the thing. To Justin's Show point, if, no she, if she leaves the Pretty Poisons, all she has – is being president of the student body and her LGBTQ organization and also her friendships and the River Vixens. That's only like three to four clubs that she's doing after school. Don't forget her grandmother and mom, who uh, the mom runs a, <laughs> a board. Yeah, she'll run, she'll run that. Right. Yeah, that's true. Uh, okay, Ryan Lass says, uh, can you guys also talk about the upcoming musical episode and what you guys think will happen based on the synopsis of the episode? Uh, so this is the Heathers, the musical episode. Um, yeah, I don't know. I actually don't know a lot about Heathers, the musical. Are either of you guys familiar with it? Uh, I've seen Heathers, the movie. Yep. Did you uh, sing it all? No, I mean, well, Heathers is about blowing up a school, the school, the high school. Yeah, it's about like, killing. Yeah, it ends with them with the uh, the Winona Ryder character trying to blow up the high school. Right, but it starts off about killing. Yeah, so I'm just saying, like that's very in line with Riverdale, um, and maybe it'll blow up the farm. No, it feels like it's about how like this episode it probably sets it up directly. Is that that episode's not next, but it's one after. It's one after. Next episode is the 50th episode, which is FP's birthday. Uh, and then the episode after that is the musical. So it feels like that's maybe like the high school has been a hotbed of this, all this fighting. It feels like that may come to a head in that episode. Yeah. 
Uh, all right, let's move on to this one. Not quite sure what the agenda of this one is going to be based on the username, which is Betty and Archie followed by a wedding ring. Uh, the uh, tweet is... Oh, sorry, which that's ha- my, my secret account. <laughs> which house do you think Betty ends up at? Personally, I think it would be easier at Archie's because he literally lives 20 seconds yeah. away from her house. What do you exactly. think? That's what I'm talking about. And as oh. we learned in this episode, he's got room in the garage. It's sort of his place where his dad doesn't bother him, where anything can happen. Barchi strong. Here's what I think is going to happen. I think we're going to see Betty bouncing around from place to place over the next couple of episodes. It looks like, based on the promo, that she ends up at Veronica's the Pembroke, at least having a sleepover and hanging out there. I think she's going to end up there. That's not going to quite work out. Then maybe uh, she's going to end up with Archie for an episode. And then maybe the episode after that, once the Joneses have fully moved into the Cooper household, she'll move back into her old bedroom. That's my guess. Because you think she's still going to be with Jughead. Yeah. Yep. Bughead strong. Bughead not strong. What, <laughs> what is Bughead? They haven't been romantic at yeah, all. Stop all it. Business. You shut your mouth. Bughead is all business. No Sometimes way. Jughead's hey. too focused on his career as a failing gang leader. Uh, I don't know. They're there for each other, and they know they're there for each other. They don't need to be yeah. demonstrative. Yeah. No, that's a bad sign. Oh, man. All right. Uh, Shaylin87 says, what were your thoughts about how Kevin treated Betty and how Evelyn was towards Betty? What about the ending when Betty set the house on fire and the look at her eyes after? Uh, do you think we'll get some dark Betty? I'm hoping for some. Yes, dark Betty. Uh, I think her holding her hand over the candle flame was dark Betty. And obviously then burning the house down was a pretty dark Betty move. Let's get there. dark Betty back. Unleash right. her on the town. Uh, Regina TV for Life says, so over Archie boxing fighting storylines, unless they can infuse those stories with some humor or some kind of levity. I know it's a drama, but I kind that I enjoy Archie more when KJ Appa can be funny and aloof. Uh, also, cannot wait to see the blowout between Betty and Alice, like as Betty finally got Alice's attention. Probably not, but I do kind of enjoy watching them duke it out. P.S. It would be kind of funny if Jug or some other ally of Betty's purchased the house that she just set on fire. Whoops. Well, I think that's exactly what's going to happen there in terms of the house. Uh, What do you think about the Archie uh, fighting thing? How are you feeling about that storyline? Yeah, I'm over it too. Yeah, I I don't know where it's going. Like, is he training – is this season building to him becoming a boxer? As to me, it's it's not. It's building to him like getting back on track in some sort of way. So I just don't know where it's going. It feels I, it feels like it's in a stasis place. Like I want to see Archie. I, I'd like to see, honestly see an episode of Archie just like playing basketball since he was holding a basketball in this episode. Or, or oh, like, you think that was foreshadowing? Getting back to something. Yeah, that's the season's going to turn. It's March Madness. It's going to turn into a real March Madness. Uh, yeah, but literal yeah. madness. Like he's going to yep. go insane over basketball. No, I think him and uh, I think Josie's going to save his ass and he's going to walk away from boxing so he can focus on his music again. Uh, this is from Sammy. Theory, Gladys is the anonymous buyer of the Cooper house, so maybe the Joneses will move in. Jug will offer for Betty to move into her old room with him. After Betty moves in, Veronica will tell her about Gladys, and Betty will investigate her from the inside the house. And this might cause Bughead drama, but I feel like Jughead knows that Gladys is bad news, so he won't be that mad. Honestly, I don't care as long as there is Bughead and Jelly Bean. Yeah. Yeah, I think uh, there's been a lot of back and forth and talk about how Gladys is going to come between Bughead. I just don't see that happening. 
Yeah, Gladys is up to her own stuff. Right. Uh, but I uh, think that theory is spot on otherwise. Yes. Uh, Adelaide says, seeing Tony itching towards the great character she was introduced as has been a relief. She was the strong, smart woman fighting for social justice. She's been totally derailed since dating Cheryl, hoping the real Tony Topaz is good back for good. How do you feel about that? I'm into that. I like that. I think Cheryl's going to quit the Pretty Poisons and form a gang called the Prettiest Poisons, and they're going to be super lame. <laughs> uh, this is from uh, 100% Pure Crack. How the heck did man Monica do all those changes in the basement of Pops? Great question. Also, yeah. I've worked at restaurants since Pops no longer can use his basement. Where the hell does he keep all his dried goods and produce? That <laughs> yes. thing ain't big enough for the huge kitchen. Uh, yeah, that's, that's a, this. This is the kind of commentary I'm here for. Like, yeah. I want to know more about the logistics of Pops. Who's peeling the potatoes? He's working by himself. I think he's yeah. got an upstairs. That's where he keeps No, he definitely doesn't. That, that diner is like a trailer. Yeah. There's an enormous cave system that uh, links under Pops where he has a bunch of Morlocks who are working for him making his food. That's your answer. Uh, Daniel Cabral says, I think Principal Weatherby and Principal Feeney should do a Trading Places spinoff. What do you think? Uh, into it. Feeney, no one could be a worse principal than Weatherby. And the only thing I worry about is if Weatherby goes to Boy Meets World, that's bad news for our, our kids over there. Uh, Darby Mowell, this is, uh, I believe, the, actually, there might be a couple more. I'll check in a second. Uh, Chick, as hero of Riverdale, is canceled. Ricky is the new hero because he had the basically the exact chick storyline, but had the decency to wrap up a storyline in the same episode it started. <laughs> wow. Also, did anybody else love the return of Dark Betty? What do you guys think about that one? You know, I did. Uh, obviously, as a, a believer that Chick is the oh, protagonist stop. and ultimate uh, hero of Riverdale, uh, how dare you say that another person is doing anything approaching the power of the Chick? Displays on an episode by episode basis. We haven't seen him in multiple in like fifteen episodes. Yeah, yeah, you're a ridiculous person for saying that. Uh, last one. This is from Lauren. Uh, two parts here. Do you all think we'll see Edgar before the end of the season? And the serpents are falling apart because Jughead won't let them act like a gag, which is what they are. Uh, in terms of the Edgar thing, we should actually see him in the musical episode of the absolute latest. I believe Chad Michael Murray, who's playing Edgar Evernever, uh, was on set and in costume while they were filming the musical episode. I believe I could be wrong about that, but maybe we'll even see him next week. Uh, you know, it's the episode 50. They might have a big cliffhanger at the end, so we'll have to see what happens. I yeah, agree. It feels weird to reveal him in the musical episode, so it would make more sense to reveal him in this next episode. Yeah, he probably wants to wish FP a happy birthday. And yeah. <laughs> uh, what do you think about the Jughead thing? Do you think it's Jughead's fault that all of this is falling apart? Yeah, I mean, he is the leader of the gang, and I don't know if getting them to be cops is going to help them. No, I mean, I agree. Jughead has let his... He's trying, but he's failing at his gang. Jughead this season has been just trying and failing at basically everything. Except for his relationship. That, well, we don't see any of that. That's there, not true, man. What, we just haven't not seen this them. episode. Other no. episodes for sure. They have not gone on a date in a very long time. Oh, screw you, man. Oh, boy. All right. Uh, before we go, MVP for the episode. Who won the episode in your estimation, Justin? 
Ooh, tough call. Uh, uh, I got to throw it out to... Well, this dovetails into another theory uh, I'm having, but uh, I think I'm going to give it to Evelyn Evernever. Um, what? She, she was uh, powerful in her conviction. She's setting up something with her and the other farmies. I'm sorry, I know we talked about in a previous episode that the farm uh, may be basically the, the home of the Gargoyle King. But I had a thought in this episode that maybe Evelyn is training all these Kevin and all these other people to tolerate this pain because she's trying to raise basically an army to fight the Gargoyle King, like a, the Knights Templar from the last cru- the Indiana Jones and the Last Crusade, how they had to were there to protect the Grail, and they were bad guys for a while, and then they were good guys. So you're still all in on the farm being good guys. I'm not all in, but I'm saying that's one hundred percent. Watching oh, this episode, for watching this episode, that was my thought. That's ridiculous. Uh, Betty, all day, er, day. Any particular reason, Pete? MVP. Uh, she set the house on fire. That's why. It's a boss move. Not usually. It's not. Right. Is your uh, house on fire, Pete? No. Just your leg. Uh, I'm going to say uh, Luke Perry, you guys. Uh, I know just to, just to bring it back, I think really that was all I thought about this entire episode watching it. His scene was really sweet and good, and it was so yeah. nice seeing him in the episode. It's going to be tough in a different way every single episode coming up. Um, so it'll be interesting to see how things play out, and certainly I'll be – nerve-wracked going forward, but at least this episode, it was it's not going to be the goodbye episode, but it was the perfect episode to say this initial goodbye to him on, so I was really glad to see that. Yeah, yeah there was a great line that uh, he or Archie had saying, uh, I'm not an idiot, I just have a big heart. Yeah. yeah. That was a nice, nice moment. Yeah, yeah it was. All right, guys, uh, if you would like to support us, patreon.com slash comic book club. Also, we do a live show every Tuesday night at 8 p.m. at the People's Improv Theater Loft in New York. Come on by. We'll chat about Riverdale. What else do you want to plug? Pete. Friend us on Facebook so you get to know about the amazing guests we have on our live show. Follow us on Twitter at Comic Book Live and Riverdale Dark. Check us out at comicbookclublive.com for this podcast and many more, and we'll see you after dark. I'm gonna give you